Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count. With Carl Truman, Todd Pruitt, and Amy Bird. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Let's join this week's conversation. you are listening to Mortification of Spin. We're so glad you joined us today. My name is Todd Pruitt, and I'm joined as always by Amy Bird and Carl Truman. And I, I was thinking about opening up this particular episode by singing Baby It's Cold Outside, but I just <laughs> found out that that has become problematic. So, Thank you for sparing us, Todd. Absolutely. So, Is that because of global warming? <laughs> no, 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 no. But it, it, you, you'll find it being complained about among the same people that are troubled by global warming. It's kind of in the same. Uh, uh, vegans. Uh, vegans. You know, yeah, they're in there, too. They're, they're in there, too. Oh, okay. And uh, practitioners of yoga, that kind of thing. So um, <laughs> anyway, uh, we'll, we'll just leave the singing out completely. It's a pushy man in that song, right? <laughs> it man. is. It is. And there's no for an answer. And there is nothing worse than a pushy man. I, well, you, it, it I is time. It is time we stand against. She was way too nice to him. It is time we stand against the patriarchy. That hot chocolate right in his face. It's time we stand against the patriarchy. Okay, resist, Thank everybody. You. Okay, you need to be empowered. Yes, yes, resist. Um, all right. So, uh, Amy, you uh, sent out uh, a, a, an appeal for questions from listeners, and we got some questions, and and we thought we'd do a very seasonal uh, type of Q and A time. We thought it'd be good to do the seasonal ones, just because some of these questions, while they're good questions, they're definitely not ones we could answer in a you know, Q and A type podcast mm-hmm. like we're doing today. They're right, kind of deep, mm-hmm. um, but these are also very good questions that are very relevant to our time right now. So, uh, one that I wanted to throw out there to you guys is: if I'm seeking to obey the second commandment, is it appropriate to have a nativity scene in my home? Okay, so the second commandment is uh, the prohibition against uh, bowing down before any images or making. Um, images for the purpose of worship or adoration. There is some, well, more than some, debate among various Christian traditions as to uh, the binding nature of that commandment. As Reformed Protestants, we would tend in the direction of saying, well, yes, that that commandment does have uh, binding uh, authority to it, even among those who say it has binding authority to it, then there's different sorts of of applications. For one rather famous Reformed theologian has said that there's no problem having pictures of Jesus because that's in his human form and it's not depicting his divine form, which I find rather tortured uh, theological logic. But before I give my thought on uh, on a little baby in a manger scene, Carl, uh, what are your thoughts on the question don't think i've ever had a nativity scene oh, in my house bless your heart uh have you had, have would, you ever had any fun in your house we try to avoid okay, that yeah. okay. the press mrs truman has strong opinions <laughs> definitely avoid fun uh no it's a serious point i would say do whatever your conscience says on this particular point mm-hmm. uh, when i was a pastor we certainly wouldn't have disciplined somebody for right. having a nativity scene in their house so functionally it would have been an area for freedom mm-hmm. of conscience mm-hmm. I think, in the congregation where i was for me the issue of images of jesus 
is I think one of the things the commandment is trying to get at is, is how these images come to grip your imagination. Mm -hmm. And as it was put to me by a minister friend once, anybody who's seen the, the Lord of the Rings movies now knows what Gandalf looks like. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult to read the Lord of the Rings without seeing Syrian McKellen mm -hmm. in front of you. Uh, a, a Sunday school book that has a stick picture of Jesus in it, that's not going to grab your imagination mm -hmm. the same. And I think from, from what I've seen of nativity scenes, uh, the tiny baby is, is so inconsequential yeah. that you're not going to bow down and worship it. And it's not going to grab your imagination such that every time you hear the word Jesus, an image of a tiny wooden baby uh, is going to pop into your head. So I would say nativity scenes, my opinion is they're harmless. Mm -hmm. Whether they're tasteful, whether they're helpful or not, I think they'll leave that up to the individual's yeah. conscience. Yeah, I, I come down in basically the same way. Uh, someone with a nativity scene in their home, I certainly don't panic over that, and largely because of what you suggested. Um, the baby in most nativity scenes is a fairly nondescript uh, little baby that is not going to end up becoming the image that comes into your mind when you think about Jesus, although some would would balk at that reasoning, but I do um, have a problem with nativity scenes in churches as a place of worship, because then I think that there's that that's where I say, you know what, don't bring them into the place of, of worship because of the connotations of, of idolatry and, and, and I don't want anything in the house of worship. That is a, 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 an image that could, that could steal our adoration or, or could be a focus of our, of our worship. And I'd be with you yeah. on that. I think, Tyler, I mean, I, as I heard the question, it was about in my yeah, home, yeah. not in my church. So I think, yes, there is a distinction to be made mm -hmm. there. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of want to bring up Carl's first answer before we started recording uh, Snoopy nativity scenes, as long as it's Snoopy. <laughs> as long as it's <laughs> uh, well, Snoopy. Is cool. How do you feel Snoopy about cool. the Snoop? As long as it's nativity. Snoopy, it's no problem. Or, or Snoop Dogg. <laughs> okay. So, Either I, Snoop. I, I think. Yeah, I think then you're getting into issues of trivialization. Yeah, right. yeah. Now, some might argue that any representation is a trivialization, and, uh, and that's a debate I think that's worth having, but I, think so. I don't think there's any debate about whether a, a Peanuts nativity scene would be a trivialization. Mm -hmm. Clearly, I think that's, that's the case. Yeah, yeah. All right. I did think of Todd, though, the other week that there's a church, I think it's by us, uh, somewhere near Pittsburgh, where the nativity scene in the church was inside a cage uh -huh. to symbolize the, uh, the oppression of... I think they're called undocumented okay. workers now. Mm. When I was immigrating, they were illegal immigrants. Now they're <laughs> undocumented uh, um, Todd, I'm sure you're, you're very sympathetic. <laughs> to I am. I am. And Carl, I'll tell you, I, I, am, I have been trying to uh, form relationships with uh, immigration officials so that they can personally look into your status and to see if there's something <laughs> we can do. But that's another topic. Yeah, my status is very equivocal most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, Amy, what's another uh, question that you another received? Another question. Let's see. What about, um, you know, even the idea of celebrating holy days mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the pagan tradition that's attached to Christmas? Yeah. Um, is it harmless social event? Is it a secular tradition? Mm -hmm. All of the above. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's, let's take that in two parts. First part being the thing that we hear every year, which is, we must not celebrate Christmas because it's simply a pagan holiday. Um, Carl, you're a historian. Um, how would you answer that? 
Well, I think it has pagan origins. Certainly the, the timing in the middle of the winter clearly connects with uh, an agrarian society where uh, there's not a lot to do in an agrarian society in the middle of the winter. So big part Except of worship your gods. It's, yes, it's a great way of breaking the monotony of the winter. Mm -hmm. But I think you need to be careful, you know, without making this an answer to that question. I think that the whole idea that the origin of something means that the thing itself is illegitimate. Like, like yoga, it, maybe? Oh, my yeah, goodness. It's <laughs> you know, but the names of the days of the week yeah. have pagan right. origins. Right. Wednesday is Woten's Day. Friday is Frigg's Day. Yeah. Uh, Monday moon day. So I, I think the idea that just because something has a pagan origin means it must necessarily be bad and be rejected mm -hmm. in the present. That's not a strong, that's not a very compelling yeah. argument. Uh, I, I mean, my approach to Christmas has been certainly in our family, it's always been a little bit more, I would say, of a, of a secular mm -hmm. family thing. I grew up in a non-Christian home for a start. Mm -hmm. And for me, uh, the, the, the ritual of, of giving presents, getting together as a family, there's not a lot of religious connotations on that front for me, and I'm very comfortable uh, celebrating that way. But do I want to repudiate or reject all religious aspects of it? No, I, I enjoy Christmas carols. It strikes me Christmas carols are some of the, the greatest Christological hymns that the church has. Perhaps the, the sadness to me is that we tend only to right. sing them at Christmas rather than during the year. O Come, O Come, Emmanuel seems to me to be a – uh, a song that captures the longing of the church any day of the year. Mm -hmm. We typically at Cornerstone when I was pastor, I don't know if the practice has changed, but we didn't have a Christmas Eve service unless it was on a Sunday. Mm -hmm. In part because I, I didn't want to be preparing another uh, service. <laughs> yeah, yes. The day before Christmas when I want to be kicking back. Uh, but also, uh, I didn't, you know, didn't see it as... <laughs> I want to go to your Necessary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being honest here, man. I want to go yeah. to your church. <laughs> we at the church we're at, the OP church we're at this year. There's going to there is a, a, some kind of service on mm -hmm. Christmas Eve, and Katrina and I might go, we might not. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I certainly don't see going to church more rather than less as a sinful thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I certainly don't think that you know Christmas Eve, Monday to Saturday, is the one night of the year when if your church has a service you shouldn't attend because it would be sinful to do so uh again it comes back to my answer to the earlier question i think there's a lot of personal conscience yeah. and, yeah. uh, i'm all in favor of christians gathering together regularly and uh singing hearing the word mm -hmm. proclaimed uh, I yeah. just don't want to proclaim it myself on Christmas Eve when I'm <laughs> kicking back and getting ready for the festivities. Yeah. One of the things I try to explain to, to the church I serve is that we're happy to observe Christmas. We're happy to um, talk about Advent and to even use that language so long as we understand that we don't observe it in the same way that our you know, Episcopalian brothers and sisters would, uh, our Anglican brothers and sisters would, in terms of um, seeing those days as particularly set apart, um, but rather to, to view Christmas Day, Christmas Eve, the season of Advent, as merely a really helpful prompt to make sure we give due attention to the, to the chief mystery of the universe, which is God become a man, and to make sure we don't neglect that. I mean, back to your point, Carl, about 
some of the Christmas hymns. I mean, Hark the Herald Angels Sing is an extraordinarily wonderful uh, Christological hymn. Uh, sing it all year round, you know, but it would feel weird to, but the point is, is that I, I, I see um, Advent, I see the season as, as, as a good, helpful prompt, but, but still am committed to the, the more reformational idea, which is, you know, we have one holy day a week, you know, it's, it's the Sabbath day. And, even, and in a sense, we, we would want to see all days as, as, as holy in so far as something to be used and lived in for the glory of God. But, but um, in as much as we follow a church calendar, most Presbyterians don't do so in the same way as, um, as for instance, Anglicans do. Is, 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 is there a, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is every year, of course, some, some of my Presbyterian friends are just horrified that we would even um, mention Christmas Day, you know, <laughs> in our church, because that's a, you know, that's a violation of the Reformed uh, principle of, 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 of worship, uh, because the Bible doesn't say you must celebrate Christmas Day, therefore you shouldn't even mention it. Is, is, is there a fallacy there? Uh, well, I think we, there's also a distinction that has to be made that is often not made between something being unbiblical and something being non-biblical. Mm-hmm. So, for example, Sunday school. Right. I would see Sunday school as being non-biblical. Mm-hmm don't find Sunday school in the right. Bible, but I don't see it as being unbiblical right. Sunday school. You're not sinning right. in doing that. Yeah. And I think it's the same with, with Christmas Day. Uh, if you choose to, to celebrate Christ's birth on that particular day, I would say it's non-biblical. You can't bind my conscience right. to do it. You can't tell me I'm sinning by not having a service on Christmas Eve if I choose not to, if it's not a Sunday. But I don't see that it's sinful or idolatrous uh, I don't think you're going to go to hell for mentioning Christmas Day in church. And, and I think that non-biblical, unbiblical distinction is actually quite a helpful one yeah. Yeah. on issues like this. What do you think about the language used a lot during the Advent season of making room for Christ's arrival in your heart? Mm-hmm. Sounds like rank Arminianism to me. <laughs> you know, there was no room for him in the inn. Yeah. Will so there we, be room uh, for him? Are we going to make room? Yeah. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart, which is German liberalism. German liberalism. Well, listen, I, I, I don't have, even know what that means, honestly. Like, what, how do you make room? Well, you know, so I, I, I would agree with where I think you're going, which, which is that there's problematic language there. And I think there's problematic language on a couple of levels. First of all, historically, I would suggest that no room for them in the end. I agree with the scholars who say no room for them in the end probably does not mean that Joseph and Mary um, were, were cast out of, of any shelter because it's almost unthinkable that that would have happened in that culture at that time, but rather that uh, it was a rather typical household of that day with the living quarters up above uh, the enclosure of, of the stable and that the family were, were in a crowded typical household of that day, but instead of being able to stay in the crowded upper level where the humans lived, uh, Joseph and Mary were down below um, with with the animals, the, the the point being is that there wasn't room um, in the sleeping quarters, but it, it it's almost inconceivable that they would have you know been so to speak 
out on the streets yeah. in that in that culture. So there's some. I think there's a little bit of historical there's misunderstanding. Historical layer, and, and then there's yeah. like the theological. Then there's layer. the theological layer that 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 uses that. There's no room for him in the end. Will you make room for him in your heart? Of course, I grew up hearing that. Right. And it's a great. It's it's along the lines of when we would be guilted into having a quiet time by by saying right. you know. And spiritual um, disciplines. I mean, well, I think you. Th- this is one of the lines I heard. Listen, you know, um, uh, Jesus was waiting for you in your room this morning for you to have your quiet time, and you walked out on him without speaking to him, and he's still there <laughs> waiting for you. It's like Holman Hunt's Light of the World, just knocking on the there door. There it is. So my whole thing yeah. too is just like Christ intrudes in. You know, <laughs> thankfully. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he. he there's not, yeah, there's not this timid, uh-huh. um, and, and there's a lot of practices to make room, um, mm-hmm. as far as, yeah. uh, not, you know, a lot of different spiritual disciplines, mm-hmm. yoga and, and cutting back on materialism. Yeah. I was just thinking yoga, like Christian that. yoga. Yeah. Yeah. Christian yeah. yoga. Um, <laughs> but anyway, seriously, like, yeah, there's just a lot to think about with that phrase there. And, the, and I particularly hear that during the Advent season because it, and I, there is this symbolic, I mean, I do like the idea of us thinking now in our, in our prayer and our scripture reading and, and leading up into, to celebrate Christmas about Christ's return. Yes. In fact, I, I kind of bookended my, my message uh, yesterday with that reality, because I think as you're as you're preaching about the coming of Christ into the world, his first advent, mm-hmm. um, I, I think there almost needs to be um, that reminder of his second advent. I, th- mm-hmm. I think, I think they, they, they go together almost necessarily, not that every single time you mention the, the first arrival of Christ, you have to, but, but if, if, you're, if you're preaching regularly on the coming of Christ, if, I, I think if, you, if, if you're seeking to preach on advent type themes during the season and you never mention the second coming, you're missing out on a, on a real big piece of that. Mm-hmm. I think that needs to be, uh, to be there. And, and to the point again about making room in your heart, you know, as I think about John the Baptist and his preparatory work for the coming of Messiah and things that he said about the, you know, already the ax is being laid at the root. Um, again, we, we don't have a picture of Jesus meek and mild well, meek, yes, but not mild, um, of, of kind of dancing around the corners of our life, knocking on doors, hoping that we'll let him in, but, but rather of a very direct um, sovereign intrusion um, into the darkness of the world, a, a light that intrudes and breaks into the darkness and confronts us, confronts us in our sin and confronts us in our apathy. Um, uh, he, he does not take a passive role waiting for an invitation. Mm-hmm. But he comes to us. Uh, his his coming into the world uh, was met with great opposition from Satan. His coming into the world stirred up murderous havoc from from Herod. That's uh, an intrusive entry. Yeah. So there's a lot to to meditate on, and and you know certainly in what we would call devotional time leading up into Christmas that I would think would be good things to do. But it's not something just just being reminded of the fact that I, I mean, I'm, I, I, I believe that the chief miracle of the Bible is the incarnation. And, and it's a shame if, if we really only 
formally preach on that um, at, at, at Christmas time. And, mm-hmm. and, and I, you know, and so again, that's why I think, I think Advent as a series of days and I'm, and I'm, and I, and I'm very careful with that kind of thing. Right. But, but as a series of days to, to see it as a helpful prompt to make sure we are not neglecting, you know, you know, the Eastern church, Carl, and correct me if I'm wrong, the Eastern church see, w- would see the incarnation kind of as the central Christian event where the Western church would tend towards uh, the cross more. And I'm not saying either is wrong, hope, but hopefully it's both and. But is, is that, is that an, uh, at least a reasonably accurate observation? Yes. I mean, the, the cross plays a big part in this Eastern church as well. But one might say that it's not entirely misleading to say that the East focuses on the incarnation and the, the mm-hmm. West focuses more on, on the cross mm-hmm. and resurrection. And, and, and partly that comes down to different ways of different emphases in the understanding of salvation, mm-hmm. right. judicial over, over incarnational. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. But it also strikes me as odd that in some churches, it seems that the one time of year you can't preach on the incarnation is Christmas. Mm-hmm. That's uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, good. Yeah. yeah, good. Good point. Uh, don't you dare. Don't you dare observe Christmas on Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're stuck. We're stuck in a rock. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so uh, one of the other par- questions is about, uh, and we've touched on this already, the use of Christmas hymns in worship. Yeah. As long as they're good ones. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, as long as they're orthodox, mm-hmm. yeah. but they should be, it, that you should be able to sing them any time of year. Then maybe that's the test to do. Uh, some, I think, uh, yeah, there are some Christmas hymns I can think of, the sentimental drivel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are a lot of other hymns, non-Christmas hymns, like a sentimental drivel, shouldn't sing. Right, right. But the great Christological hymns of, of Christmas are fantastic. That's, Come all ye faithful. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joy to the world, hark the herald angels yeah. sing. These are, these are. Little drummer boy. <laughs> <laughs> Away in a main oh, It's David Bowie yeah. and Bing Crosby. Isn't getting better than that, that's right. That's right. <laughs> A little drummer boy would be a great example of this kind of hymn you shouldn't sing. Right, Chris. right. So, you know, we'll, we'll have some Reformed brethren who, first of all, cry foul because of the mere suggestion that you'd sing anything other than a psalm. Um, but, but even those who would allow for hymns, um, again, might, uh, you know, they, they blush at this entire conversation that there would be a formal, uh, you know, observing um, of Christmas, and they would see that as a violation of the um, you know, reformed principle of worship. And, and, and I just, again, I, I think Carl's point on differentiating between what is unbiblical and what is quote, non biblical is, is an important distinction. And, uh, and it's a shame that they're, they're just Christmas hymns. I mean, right. I think that's such a good point. Yep. I mean, yep. there's something nostalgic about that to be mm-hmm. able to sing them together, you know, a certain time of year, but, mm-hmm. but it, you know, isn't it interesting that, you know, as I think about this, you know, to, to even preach on the on on one of the birth narratives, or on a text that that clearly um, focuses on the incarnation, you, oftentimes I, I think preachers feel like those really need to be confined to to December, as though it might be out of place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's and, and I don't think it's I think it's mostly just kind of reflexive. Yeah. But that's again, that's a what about. Uh, what about see amid the winter snow when there was probably no snow involved at the first Christmas? Is that a lie? <laughs> and therefore shouldn't be so. Uh, I have my answer, but I want to hear yours first. Well, see, here's the deal. In the beauty of the lilies, Christ was born across the sea. 
Um, that's that. So the lilies had to be blooming because that's what the Battle Hymn of the Republic teaches us. <laughs> so now, I would argue with that, though, and I've heard people say you shouldn't sing that one, yeah. but I would say it's you know, hymns are also poetry, right? Yeah, and sometimes truths are can you know communicated uh, uh, in poetry mm -hmm. that are not literal. I mean, the Psalms are full of this kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so I I don't have any problem on that score with CM Winter. So what about okay? One of my favorite poets, Miss Rossetti, in the bleak midwinter. I love that. Same things apply. I would yep. say. Yep. I would agree. Well, yeah. and I mean, there are some reasons why the Christian tradition has adopted this and transformed this pagan holiday in one sense, in a more spiritual sense, because there is a lot of symbolism in the darkness and the light breaking into the darkness mm -hmm. and the darkest time of year and the coldest and mm -hmm. all, you know, yep. I mean, there's a lot yep. of beautiful yep. symbolism. Exactly. And think, think about, you know, the intertestamental period, that period of time between Malachi's right. ministry and, and the, the, the coming right. of John the Baptist, you had hundreds of years where there was no one there to say, thus says the Lord. There was a, a spiritual darkness that had come upon uh, the people of God. Uh, because of the judgment of God. And, and so therefore, you know, you get to John's preamble in his gospel and, and he uses the word light multiple times, just in the first nine verses, um, almost in a way that is so repetitious that it seems, um, uh, you know, like if you were a, a, a an instructor in a, uh, uh, an English composition class, you'd tell Johnny used the word light too many times in too few sentences. But of course, his purpose is theological, that after such a long period where there was no, no voice from the Lord to the people, now the light has come. And uh, again, you know, playing off that imagery of darkness and light um, is, is powerful um, in speaking to what was going on in reality. All right. I'm just being rebuked for being ethnically insensitive. Yeah, I was just going to. Uh, oh, oh, Cruella. We, Cruella we forgot about the Southern in, Hemisphere. In <laughs> we forgot about the <laughs> Southern <laughs> Hemisphere. Yes, yes our, 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 our friends down under. Good day, mate. Yes. <laughs> throw a few, you have an amazing oh, Australia. Uh, throw a few shrimps on the Barbie um, and get ready for a, for a hot Christmas. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, we forgot I'm about told that. Uh, I remember as a kid being told that kangaroos pull Santa's sled in the Southern Hemisphere. <laughs> I don't, maybe our Australian listeners could could comment on that. Yeah. But, uh, makes sense. Makes sense. Right. Right. They should. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. All right. Well, one so, more question is left on here, and it's just about children's Christmas pageants. <laughs> do them or not do them? <laughs> that, yeah. uh, never, never work with animals or children. <laughs> They'll always they, make you, know, you look that's, bad. That's I, I would say this. I would say this. One of two things has to happen in order for it to be appropriate to have a, 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 a children's musical presentation. One of two things has to be there. Either the kids have to be really good singers or they have to be really cute. Otherwise, don't do it. They have to either be really cute or be really good singers. It kind singers. of goes in the same trivializing category, which makes it hard for me. But that's my same argument with VBS a lot of the time. I tell you what, I'm, I'm in favor of it. Um, so long as so long as the content is good, um, I I have to tell you I was raised singing in children's choir, and I look back and I'm thankful for it. It was good for me. Yeah. I learned how to sing. We we ha our churches are now full of teenagers 
who don't sing and, and young adults who don't sing yeah. because mm-hmm. they never learned how to sing in church as children. Maybe. And uh, un- un- unless, unless it's some kind of, you know, groovy Chris Tomlin thing, <laughs> they, they just, they don't <laughs> sing. And, uh, and I think the church ought to be teaching its children to sing. Mm. And, That's a um, good point, Todd. And I'm, and I'm all in favor of, of having our children uh, sing in, in church if they're prepared properly and if they're given something good to sing. Okay. Well, a um, couple personal questions before Carl wraps us up <laughs> uh, that are just in. Um, uh-huh. Which Calvinist superhero Twitter account does Carl run? Hmm. I don't run a Twitter account. He needs to. Is there I, one for I, One I, Punch I, Man? That would be a good. One. I, I I tweeted for maybe two weeks, <laughs> like seven or eight years ago, under a pseudonym. Somebody sussed out it was me, and I was so deluged with hate stuff. I decided, <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> people if people want to hate, they can they can go to the effort of finding my email and sending well, it to me. I'm not going to provide I'm, them with an. I'm going to I'm going to out Carl right now. Carl does tweet regularly under the name of Todd Pruitt, <laughs> and. <laughs> I just want people to know oh, that. That's a good yeah. one. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I don't need, I am a reform superhero. I don't need, <laughs> I don't need Carl Truman. <laughs> Truman. Okay. So uh, which is the most personable of you three? Oh, me. Oh, no doubt. It is me. It's me. Oh, Amy Bird. You are mean I more and vindictive. In my house you you're empowered. You're I'm an empowered so, woman. I'm sorry to tell you this, but you're Americans. <laughs> But there is only one contender for that time. <laughs> well, personal. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, isn't it we, funny? Neither how, of us even thought of you, Carl. That—that's the thing. But between the three of us, Carl wasn't even in the running. No. I—I <laughs> <laughs> I would say this. I would say this. Okay, I'm—I'm going to be honest here. It, okay. it, see, when I go for admirers, I'm looking. At quality rather than <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna make I'm gonna show my cards here. I'm gonna be honest it's Amy it's Amy Bird um, she is she's a hostess she's got some good hospitality going on I like to have folks in my home but I, I guarantee I don't like it as much as Amy does and so uh, <laughs> and I I'll don't give her like that one and and well, well well what's interesting is that it's kind of opposite with Carl. People don't like being in your home. And so, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of the weird thing. Which is how I like it. Everyone's a Win-win. You can, you yeah, Amy fetches great coffee as well. Uh, you guys could start. She's never more empowered than fetching coffee. Oh, yeah. I will say this. I've been in Carl's home a few times, and he is hospitable. And it's probably mainly because of his wife, but they are hospitable. Yeah. I've seen them welcome people numerous times yes, they're home. pretty much running a bed and breakfast right now i think yeah yeah, yeah. there's yeah. a revolving door the over there exactly i put the spit back in hospital <laughs> <laughs> i put the spit in your coffee <laughs> <laughs> anyway if anybody is uh thinking of visiting me in grove city please don't <laughs> as we wrap it up we hope uh, we've brought some little bit of light to those questions that you kindly sent in to us i would say on a personal note uh, if anybody out there happens to have been in this children's choir with todd pruitt has photographs soundtrack or even better video i'm sure the alliance would pay good money good money to get there, there is that. video of me there's video of me in youth choir I know that. We would love to see Todd Pruitt with hair. <laughs> yeah. Could be could be a, a scary prospect mm-hmm. during the, the mullet period, yeah. I suspect. Not, 1985. Um, there is video of me in a youth choir. Right, wow. Yep. 
Wow, you're a youth in 1985. It's amazing. Anyway, thank you very much for joining us today. Please visit our website, mortificationofspin.org. And while you're there, uh, please consider making a donation. We are a viewer-supported podcast, a listener-supported podcast, should I say. And also, you can enter for a chance to win today's giveaway, which is Love Came Down at Christmas, uh, a book for Advent written by Sinclair Ferguson. In the meantime, we wish you the compliments of the season and hope to be with you all sometime in the new year. Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. To read more on hard-hitting topics like this, visit the podcast page and blog at mortificationofspin.org, where we'll have links and other articles from Amy, Carl, and Todd. And while you're there, please subscribe and consider making a donation. And be sure to listen next time when Carl, Todd, and Amy talk about the Christian's relationship with the Old Testament whether the Old Testament is still relevant for Christians. Now, a lot of Christians struggle with this. They'll read the Old Testament and they will see a whole variety of laws that seem to be obscure, outdated, maybe really strange. That interview is next time. Join us then. Last Christmas, I gave you my heart. <laughs> the very next day, you gave it Don't away. Don't tell me, in 1985, you were a whammy. No. Oh, <laughs> you were I was so offended by wham. Absolutely not. Oh, that's good. You were yeah, offended that's good. That's by good. wham. Yeah. 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 One of Britain's worst exports. Definitely. Definitely. Wake me up before you go. Don't leave me hanging on the light.